0: It's James Lindsay, and you're listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I break down in kind of bullet point fashion one topic out of woke Marxism that we need to understand so that we can stop it. And since the world has recently blown up in the Middle East, and everybody in the universe is talking about this, of course, I need to get into decolonization. Now just to tell you, there's already a long podcast on the New Discourses podcast platform that covers this issue. It's not super long. It's all, it's a little over an hour where I talk about the violence of decolonization. That's the title of the podcast. And in that, I read from Frantz Fanon's 1961 book called The Wretched of the Earth and a little bit from the preface to that book written by Jean-Paul Sartre, the French Marxist philosopher who traveled with his uh, mistress, girlfriend, Simone de Beauvoir, who wrote The Second Sex and started the trail to queer theory, uh, and they went together to visit China when Mao took over very early on in in Mao's leadership, so friends of Mao, Maoists in general, uh, this beside the point. What I want to do in this episode is hone in on a piece of that preface. In fact, part of that preface that I read in the other podcast so that we can make better sense of what's going on with this thing with the Middle East. Now, my goal isn't to talk about what's happening in the Middle East. What people have noticed, rightly, freaking them out, and it's one of the biggest red pill factories that's happened in a while, many of the current things tend to be that way, is that um, professors and other academics and leftists and activists all over the place are celebrating the horrific violence. They're celebrating acts of brutality and uh, by the by the Hamas forces, and they are saying things like, did you think that decolonization was just on paper, that it was just essays? That in fact, they're saying that it's intrinsically violent, and they are right. That's why some long time ago, a year ago, I recorded the violence of decolonization to introduce this, but I want to read a couple of the giveaway paragraphs in Sartre's foreword. Now, there are arguments as to whether or not Sartre uh, accurately presented Fanon's argument. I don't care about those arguments. It was certainly the way Fanon's work was presented to and teed up for the Western academic, the Western leftist academic in particular, and Sartre's argument can be boiled down to the idea that they, the people doing decolonization, can and should be as violent as necessary. And in fact, Europe should just lay down and die. The so-called strange death of Europe, as we've heard of it referred to, as Douglas Murray wrote about, is in fact following the roadmap laid out by Jean-Paul Sartre in this foreword to Franz Fenin's The Wretched of the Earth. Okay, so I'm just going to read to you a couple of paragraphs because I want you to understand that the way that Sartre characterized Fanon's work in The Wretched of the Earth, particularly the first chapter, which is called Concerning Violence, is that the colonized person goes through a ritual process called decolonization through the murder of his enemy. And so by ritualistically murdering the colonizer, the native is able to not just reclaim his humanity, but recreate himself and go through a process of ritual rebirth. Now, I don't think I have to really stress the fact that murdering somebody and making somebody else your blood sacrifice to transform yourself into a full human, as Marxists might interpret that, is a satanic act but it is a satanic act. So let's just see what Sartre had to say, and I'll add some color as we go. He says, and this is on page 21 of the 1963 edition of The Wretched of the Earth in the preface, he says, there is one duty to be done, one end to achieve, to thrust out colonialism by every means in their power. Now, to give you some flavor, right before this, he's saying that the leftist in general says, yeah, 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 we have to decolonize. We have to give them a lot of breadth of action, the, the, the formerly colonized people, the natives who are being colonized. We have to give them some breadth. And, but no, 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 they can't go too far. And Sartre's saying, oh, yeah, they're going to go too far. And they have every right to go too far. There's no such thing as too far for this. So then he goes on to say there is one duty to be done, one end to achieve, to thrust out colonialism by every, that's in italics, means in their power the more far-seeing among us will be in the last resort ready to admit this duty and this end, but we cannot help seeing in this ordeal by force the altogether inhuman means that these less-than-men make use of to win the concession of a charter of humanity. So he refers to the settlers, probably tongue-in-cheek, or sorry, not settlers, the settled, the natives, probably tongue-in-cheek as less-than-men, and he says that We in the West will be horrified by the inhuman means that they're going to use, but all they're trying to get is the concession of a charter of humanity. He goes on, he says, accord it to them at once then, and let them endeavor by peaceful undertakings to deserve it. Our worthiest souls contain racial prejudice. So here Sartre says, by the way, Europe, you're all a bunch of racists, so give in. Give them what they want, and Let them endeavor by peaceful undertakings to deserve having been given what they want after he explains that they are going to use every possible means, as much violence as necessary, to take back their uh, property, their land, or whatever it is under the colonial situation. Now, this next paragraph is more important, and it actually contradicts it. He's speaking to the Europeans, and he says, they would do well to read Fanon, for he shows clearly that this irrepressible violence is neither sound and fury, nor the resurrection of savage instincts, nor even the effect of resentment. It is man recreating himself. So there you go. It is a ritual in man recreating himself. It is a rebirth ritual man is putting himself through. Just like Marx said, through bloody revolution societies will remake themselves. Here we have the exact same philosophy. This is satanic. This is a Gnostic ritual in the blood of your enemies is what this is. He goes on and says, I think we understood this truth at one time, but we have forgotten it, that no gentleness can efface the marks of violence. Only violence itself can destroy them. So only by violence can the violence of colonialism be answered. So decolonization is going to be intrinsically violent. But he just said in the previous paragraph, no, no, just give it away and maybe they will use peaceful means to earn what we gave them right? And then he says, no, 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 there's only one option. It's violence. So he's telling you to lay down and try to propitiate people who are going to be violent against you anyway. And we see the strange death of Europe written out before us. He says the native cures himself of colonial neurosis by thrusting out the settler through force of arms. When his And here we come back to another blood ritual statement. When his rage boils over, he rediscovers his lost innocence and he comes to know himself in that he himself creates his self. Right there, you have the sin of Genesis 3 put into when you boil over with rage and commit ritual murder of your enemy, you eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge. It says you regain your innocence, so you get to go back into the garden. And then he comes to know himself as who he always was in that he himself creates his self. He doesn't say recreates himself. He doesn't even say he re- is reborn. He himself recognizes himself as his own creator, and he creates himself through a ritualistic violent act in which he murders his enemy. Now, if you don't think it's really about murder, we'll get to that part. It's coming further down the paragraph. It says, far removed from his war, we consider so he's talking again to the european we are we are far removed from the from these decolonization struggles physically far removed from his war we consider it as a triumph of barbarism but of its own volition it achieves slowly but surely the emancipation of the rebel for bit by bit it destroys in him and around him the colonial gloom so the prison of being of the colonial context, if we're talking in Gnostic, the imposition of the Gnostic demiurge or the the colonial demiurge is being in in the pall or the gloom that that spreads over the colonial environment is bit by bit being destroyed through the violence that emancipates or liberates the, the rebel. This is straight up Gnostic ritual. Once begun, he says, it is a war that gives no quarter. You may fear or be feared, that is to say, abandon yourself to the dissociations of a sham existence, or conquer your birthright of unity. When the peasant, and so here's the murder part, when the peasant takes a gun in his hands, the old myths grow dim, and the prohibitions are one by one forgotten, The rebel's weapon is the proof of his humanity. For in the first days of the revolt, you must kill. To shoot down a European is to kill two birds with one stone, to destroy an oppressor and the man he oppresses at the same time. There remains a dead man and a free man. The survivor, for the first time, feels a national soil under his foot. At the moment the nation does not shrink from him, Wherever he goes, wherever he may be, she is, she follows, and never, sorry, and is never lost to view, for she is one with his liberty. But after, all, after the first surprise, the colonial army strikes, and then all must unite or be slaughtered. Okay, so that's a lot. I usually break things down sooner than that. That's a lot. So in the first revolt, you must kill because the proof of your humanity is the weapon in your hands. And when you shoot the European, this is what he says, when you shoot the European, you kill the colonizer, but you also kill the oppressed man and you are reborn as a free man for the first time who can feel a national soil under his feet. But then he says the nation doesn't even shrink. It doesn't shrink from him through his act of murder. It grows. In fact, wherever he goes, so let's say he migrates from Africa to Europe. Wherever he goes, wherever he may be, she is the nation that he has liberated. And she follows and is never lost to view. He never loses sight of what he's after. So when he comes to Europe, how's he going to act? For she is one with his liberty. In other words, his liberty is only secured when his nation goes with him everywhere he goes, and the same process is repeated over and over again. But then he goes back, he steps back from this. This, this story about Europe. And he goes back and says, But after the first surprise, that's where you must kill. Then you're going to see a retaliation. So, this, when we come, just to get to the specifics, not talking about the academics who are literally quoting Fanon on this point uh, in this morass that we see today, uh, we come to the point of Israel's retaliation against Hamas. What we see uh, immediately is, But after the first surprise, the colonial army strikes. That's how Israel is being framed. And then all must unite or be slaughtered. That's how you're going to see the reaction across all of the people. This is why you see college students, democratic politicians, leftists in all of these states, all of the leftist organizations, the United Nations, all of a sudden coming out in the name of Palestine. Because now the colonial army strikes, your enemy's reaction is your real action. And then all must unite in solidarity or be slaughtered. Tribal dissensions weaken Intend to disappear in the first place because they endanger the revolution, but for the more profound reason that they served no other purpose before than to divert violence against false foes. So all of a sudden, all of the different people who have different beliefs but happen to be, you know, in some way connected to Palestine, maybe they're just Muslims or whatever, all around the world have to unify, or leftism in general, more importantly. Uh, all the leftists are going to unify and they're going to have to stop their, their differences and come together in solidarity against the colonizer. When they remain as in the Congo, it is because they are kept up by the agents of colonialism. The nation marches forward. For each of her children, she is to be found wherever his brothers are fighting. So if they the people have come to the United States or to Canada or different parts of Europe or Australia, we see these demonstrations everywhere. The nation marches forward for each of her children. She is to be found wherever his brothers are fighting. Their feeling for each other is the reverse of the hatred they feel for you. They are brothers in as much as each of them has killed and may at any moment have to kill again. So they're not just reborn through the ritual murder of their enemies. They are bound together in the cult through the ritual murder of their enemies. Fannin shows his readers the limits of, quote, spontaneity and the need for and dangers of, quote, organization. But however great may be the task at each turning of the way, the revolutionary consciousness deepens. The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. The last complexes uh, flee away and no one need come to us talking of the, quote, dependency complex of a National Army of Liberation soldier. And this goes on and on and on, but this is the thrust. You want to know what's going on, why all of these universities, these entities, these politicians, these NGOs, the United Nations are all acting the way that they're acting and why they're all citing back to the idea that, yes, in fact, decolonization as a central woke project is meant to be horrifically violent. There you have your justification. This was how this was presented to the West, how Fannin was presented to the West. Fanon, by the way, had strong Marxist leanings. If you actually read his writing, you can hear him talking from the very beginning of this book about the Marxist flavor. He's talking about the transformation of history and the contradictions and the whole thing. The guy is unabashedly a Marxist and he's framing out colonialism or post-colonialism or decolonization in terms of that. Um, Here it is even in the first chapter, he says, a couple of paragraphs into the first chapter of The Wretched of the Earth, decolonization, which sets out to change the order of the world, is obviously a program of complete disorder, but it cannot come as a result of magical practices, nor of a natural shock, nor of a friendly understanding. Decolonization, as we know, is a historical process. That is to say that it cannot be understood, it cannot become intelligible nor clear to itself except in the exact measure that we can discern the movements which gave it historical form and content. That's Marxism. Decolonization is the meeting of two forces opposed to each other by their very nature, so it's the collision of dialectical opposites. That's Marxism which, in fact, owe their originality to that sort of substantification which results from and is nourished by the situation in the colonies. And we can go on and on, but this guy is a Marxist. Sartre was a Marxist. Yes, of course, they were evolving to a new kind of Marxism in the middle part of the 20th century, but this is what we're dealing with, and that's why you see complete Marxist solidarity with the Democratic Party, the United Nations, What are these people telling us with all of the universities and their students, with all of these leftist NGOs and leftist organizations? This is why you're seeing what you're seeing and you're seeing the people who have the know-how going online and talking about how decolonization is meant to be violent. Of course, it's meant to be violent. And have you, did you think it was just supposed to be essays and arguments on paper? And then in the same breath, citing who? Franz Fanon as their inspiration. You see Fannin listed on the course uh, listings of uh, courses at uh, universities like Harvard. Uh, Chris Rufo's reporting dug that up almost immediately. And this is not a surprise. Leftism is a cult religion. This is just one faction of what we consider Marxism in the West today. The Maoists in all of our cities are using this tool exactly the way you would think. And so what you're seeing around you is... Whether there are legitimate non-Marxist things that are happening in the Middle East on one side or both, whether Palestine's a Marxist creation or not, or it doesn't—that doesn't matter. Maoists in our cities throughout the West, following in the footsteps of Sartre, who was a Maoist, and Fanon. was writing these ideas down are justifying this violence and we see these cells all over the western world but what you're seeing is yet another attack of the western cultural revolution using this as the wedge issue using this as the so-called current thing to drive the dialectical process and to do a maoist mass line everything that you're seeing here can be understood very simply as woke is an evil cult religion and its decolonization project within the post-colonial aspect which bleeds into the others. You'll hear it in critical race theory a lot and sometimes even in queer theory about the colonial project of normalcy or or white supremacy. What this project is, is inherently a project rooted in violence and the justification of violence for the purpose of revolution. That's why we have to be aware of what's really happening and the context in which it's happening, and we have to understand the woke Marxist aspects of what's going on with this so that we can slow down, step back, and hopefully red pill a lot of people that all is not as it seems, and great evil and great risk to our communities uh, is, is, is a real and present danger following this roadmap, which you can read and see just how bloody and violent and horrifying it is. So I encourage you to understand this issue More deeply, I encourage you to, as much as you might have connections to or or feelings about what's happening literally in the Middle East, to realize that it's being used as yet another wedge issue to split our Western nations, to allow the abuse and the indoctrination and brainwashing of our children to get us fighting with each other so we're not toppling the regime that wants to conquer and split our nations apart. And try to keep that focused because that's precisely what we see and the historical academic record explains why and we know what the kids have been brainwashed into who are following along with it.